She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And, and this, this is, is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. It's a difficult thing to try to keep Alistair on track on such a topic, but it's it's it, it's good. We're we're going with it. You know, you every time we try to make these podcasts shorter, and every time we fail, and I think it's mainly my fault. <laughs> instantly real. She instantly mentioned like, "Oh, you guys like I'm an extrovert, and you guys are introvert, or something like that." And I thought like. Whoa, I didn't know extroverts scared about, you know, <laughs> learning about these things. It feels like only the introverts talk about the extrovert and introvert. I'm a Yeah, it's like it's you're not. Icky. What are you doing for society? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and the introverts don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what's no. society doing for us? Extroverts often don't understand that alone time, that the things that introverts need, they need. Yeah. It is a necessity. It is not just like, it's not a self-indulgent kind of like, oh, like, let me have a piece of cake. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like that. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely necessary yeah. to be a healthy introvert. Guess what, Julie Roxanne? What? We have a new review. Oh, goody. Tell me. All right. This one comes from our friend... Letitia Latino. Nice. And she has a podcast called Back to Basics, which uh, we are both listeners of. And we've both, both been guests on it. Yes, we've also been guests on it. And we also edit it. So uh, we love what Letitia's doing. Mm. And Letitia says, oh, first off, she gave us five stars. Nice. Count them, five. <laughs> and she wrote this. I absolutely love this podcast, not only because I'm fond of the hosts, which I've never met in person, but whom I consider friends thanks to the podcast world, but because they have found a funny yet insightful way to answering important life questions, stuff we all deal with, but with the twist that they approach issues from their, quote, far out perspective. Once you learn that they live in a caravan in Southern France, you think, oh, well, how's that going to relate to me? Well, it does. She uses a lot of caps. <laughs> and it's worth listening to. JR's laugh is priceless, and Alistair's sense of humor is quite something, in a good way. <laughs> I feel honored that they made one of the questions they answered in my podcast the subject of their Are We Afraid of Being Dragged Into the System episode. And for the record, Julie Roxanne, yes. What you described as conventional living is pretty much what I had in mind when I asked. Really enjoyed the episode, guys. Keep it up. Oh, my God. I, I'm so excited for the day that we meet Letitia in person and give her hugs. Because it feels like we've been sending hugs through email. And, and it, I, this I'm is so how, excited. This is how Letitia signs off her emails. Yeah. Uh, she puts hugs at the bottom. And I've done it a couple of times. I actually like it quite I a like bit. It and too. I hadn't seen it before. So <laughs> it will be nice to uh, give the real thing yeah. one day. Thank you, Letitia. Thank that you, was Letitia. amazing. Thank you, Letitia.
Hi there. Welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Welcome. Here we are. We are here. And today we're going to talk about the introvert's dilemma. Dum dum dum. We're going to explore the pain and the struggle, the challenge and the power mm-hmm. of being an introvert in an extroverted world. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Are you trying to have a new way every time? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, we're so happy to have you here with us yes, today. Yes, yes. And welcome to what hopefully will be another interesting episode hopefully. of the Far Out Podcast. Yes. And this one, that's what we do in the intro. We yes. don't say that. No. Yes. No. no. It's okay. You, we can keep going. We you can. know, like just let's roll with it. We're we're uh, we're still welcoming people. It's okay if we welcome people two times. So, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a topic that's close to both of our hearts: the introvert's dilemma. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh, that's a heavy one. Yeah, yeah. We've kind of brushed on this in the past. Um, if you've listened to our one about the myth of self indulgence. Mm-hmm. You'll hear some echoes of this. I think this is a topic that we're going to keep coming back to from different angles. Because for me, it is kind of like, it's one of those topics that I'm very passionate about. Mm. And it's one that I think needs a lot more awareness for introverts and for extroverts. For sure. And maybe the best way to to really kind of, well, let's start with, let's start with a basic, a couple of definitions of introversion and extroversion. So, so that people know what we're talking about. And then we'll go kind of into our stories about how we came aware to this. So if you trace introversion and extroversion back, you're going to end up probably at Carl Jung. Carl Jung was a philosopher uh, and a psychologist mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the grandfathers of psych- psychology, of that field, of making it uh, the, the science that it is today. Alistair's in love with him. I am fascinated by him. I'm not in love with him, <laughs> okay? But I am fascinated by him. He is a very interesting guy, and he has some very outlandish ideas and some very uh, pertinent ones. Some that I think really match up to my experience in, in ways that are very hard to ignore. And some other ones that are pretty strange. He really kind of went off the beaten path, especially because, okay, so Carl Jung was a student of Freud. Uh, That's where he kind of, he he had a lot of his ideas before. He started in a a psychiatric unit um, studying, like working with the insane or people like this. And then he ended up becoming a the, one of Freud's disciples. And Freud actually wanted to pass on kind of his legacy. He wanted Jung to be the next person to carry it on. And Jung uh, didn't. He actually wrote a book, I think it was uh, Symbols of Transformation, or something with those words in the title. And this was his split from Freud. Ooh. And uh, I don't think they had two ever really reconciled after that, really. Um, but they So Freud had the basic idea. He, he's the one that kind of pioneered this like sexual drive or the sexual instinct. Mm. I'm not using quite the right words because they're not coming to mind. But what Freud did that was really important was he coined the idea of the unconscious. And he defined this basically as things we repress. And this came from... 
the things we repressed were basically infant desires, mm. the desire to be with our mother and things like this that were not socially acceptable. So these are repressed, and this makes up the unconscious. Carl Jung took the idea of the unconscious and and just ran with it in a very different direction, yeah. in a direction that I think is, you know, we look at a lot of, Freud was very important, but uh, a lot of his ideas are kind of outdated. And kind to, of limited, yeah, outdated is yeah, a good way it, to say it. It's very regressive, it's very reductionist in a lot of ways. And what Carl Jung did was realize, okay, there was two competing psychologies at the time. There was Freud with this uh, sex drive, And then there was Adler, and and I'm forgetting his, I think it was Joseph Adler, but I'm not 100%, I, I might have got that wrong. Adler, anyways, and he had the will to power. Mm. And this actually is a Nietzschean idea, if you go further back, but we won't. And <laughs> I'm sure we'd like to, but he's not. <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time studying this stuff because I find it very interesting. Um, but so Adler had this idea of the will to power, and Jung was looking for psychology that could embrace Both of these viewpoints, which were both very valid, and he found a lot of uh, usefulness in both, and both were very convincing, but they were kind of opposites. Mm -hmm. This is at the core of Jung's philosophy, which is basically the tension of opposites, that the, I don't know, that the world is made up of opposites, and... Uh, it's kind of a paradoxical Yeah, I was going to say the paradox, the, the tension. Yeah, the, that's like at the center of life is that there is a yeah, tension. And it's this it's the tension that creates the energy that yeah. goes between these two poles. Mm -hmm. So you can think of north-south. And, and electricity and, yeah, works yeah, like that, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Exactly. So. so these kind of things. Well, introversion and extroversion are two of these opposites. Mm -hmm. And they're probably maybe the most lasting of Jung's ideas. Jung had a lot of ideas. He's actually, you know, some he's he's kind of looked at as where the New Age movement starts in in, oh, in some circles. Yeah. And if you start reading his stuff, you'll understand why. He goes into some strange topics like UFOs, alchemy. He spent a long period of his life studying alchemy. Oh wow! Um, more the psychological aspect of it. The interesting thing about if you get into Jung's work is you get this psychological lens where you can start looking at a lot of things, not from their objective value, but from what they say about us as human beings. And so this is why he ended up in places like UFOs, synchronicity, alchemy, and some other strange concepts. He spent a lot of time with the Bible and religious stuff too. So that's a little bit about Jung. We're going to focus on introversion and extroversion. <laughs> We're laughing because it's a it's a difficult thing to try to keep Alistair on track on such a topic, but it's it's it, it's good. We're we're going with it. You know, you're every time we try to make these podcasts shorter, and every time we fail, and I think it's mainly my fault. Because <laughs> I honestly don't know whose fault it is, but it's I, I I love it. I love it. It's it's fine. Let's let's okay, talk okay, about okay. introversion and extroversion. Yes. So I think. Basically, the way Jung saw these things, another version of these two poles was objective and subjective. And this got this had more of a philosophical uh, underpinning to it. But basically, these were the two realities. Mm. There was a subjective reality and an objective reality. Yes. And what Jung realized and what he saw, and he wasn't the first to see this by any means, but he was the first to really coin it or develop it in a way that's been lasting and has really pierced into the popular lexicon, mm -hmm. is he noticed that some people fundamentally, it was a, if it was a difference of values, basically, some people valued the objective over the subjective. 
And some people valued the subjective over the objective. It was a question of where your attention naturally went. Yes. And Jung basically hypothesized that from a very early age, we develop different patterns of interact of relationship with the world. And introverts are, are value the the subjective, the inner world more strongly than the outer world. And I think it's important to say that these are unconscious valuing. Like it's not like at five you decide consciously that you prefer the inner world. It's something that emerges. It's kind of like a natural thing where you devote your resources to. It's the same reason like you don't consciously decide if you're going to be more of a nerd or more athletic growing up or you know like if you're going to be more bookish or more outdoorsy or whatever. It's just you naturally devote your resources being your time and your energy to certain things. And so introverts or introversion is devoting more of your energy to the inner world and understanding the inner world and the subjective, which is your own experience, whereas extroverts tend to devote their resources to understanding the outer world and interrelation, like relationships and, and all those things. And this leads to a very different set of values, a very different way of valuing life and a very different relationship with the world and with ourselves. And, and more and more these days, I get into conversations and I realize the gap between mm. introvert and extrovert. And you get down to a fundamental level in a, in a conversation, if you're talking about philosophy or if you're talking about uh, something value-oriented where you're, you're trying to evaluate. And you just realize sometimes that you can get down to the bottom of it and you just do not see the world in the same way. Exactly. And you can't, bridge that gap through mm-hmm. argument or through because what you're valuing as an extrovert you are overvaluing or not you just put more value on the objective it's more important to you at the cost of the inner experience and i'm doing this exact opposite and we really just can't bridge that in a in a there's no objective way to to bridge that yes. it is just a choice as a preference it's a preference <laughs> So this might be a good place, in case you didn't already know about this, to say that we're both introverts. Yeah, and if you didn't know that from listening to our first 30-whatever episodes, (laughs) then this is a great episode to listen to, because that's exactly the person I would like to talk to about this. Yes. Because I didn't know that either very long ago. How? When did you discover you were an introvert? Okay, so I probably knew the term introvert going back a ways. Uh, I probably didn't want to be one because they're not like considered very cool. Yeah, it's um, true. And so I would say in my 20s, because I took some psychology classes and stuff, so I'm sure I was introduced to it and maybe as early as high school. But it was when I was about 27. Mm-hmm. It's when I read Susan Cain's book, Quiet. Um, the Bible. Yeah. What, what is it? The, the Power the, of the Introverts power in of a World that Can't Stop Speaking. Mm, yes. I, I think that's what it is. Yes. I've read it three times now. Um, If you want to learn more about introversion, uh, that is a great, 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 great starting place. It's amazing. There's a lot of places to go from there. It's a really big topic with a lot of uh, kind of far-reaching consequences. But I don't think there's any better place to start than Susan Cain's book, Quiet. And it's a great book, not just for introverts. It's a great book for everyone because it it gives understanding of the introvert world and introversion, even to the extroverts, which 
you know, I think introverts say to make up about between 40 and 50% of the population. A third to 50% is, exactly. the, is the guess. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. so that means like how, you know, how many of your family are introverts and, and how many, you know, and, and trying to understand more of the people around you is, is always a good thing, no matter if you're an, extro an extrovert or an introvert. Yeah, it's valuable for understanding how to communicate with people as well as self-knowledge and understanding how you operate in the world. I used to use the question, uh, uh, where do you gain your energy from? As a kind of way to figure out when someone's like, oh, I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. Mm. I think that's a good place to start. And, and, and then it really goes to, well, where, where is your attention focused? This can get complicated, though. And there, this is a deep, deep, kind of topic and mm -hmm. you can go very far with it and we're not going to on this episode but I just want to stay, say it now because I hear this a lot when I talk about this is like people are confused if they're introverted or extroverted a lot of people think I'm extroverted same and, for me and the reason is because we don't have purely introverted preferences or purely extroverted preferences that yeah. we have different functions um, and we might be introverted or extroverted on any given function The thing is, an introvert's dominant functions will be uh, introverted. This goes into uh, fun functional stack theory, and this is kind of this goes also into the MBTI, the Myers Briggs Typology I Assessment. I can't remember what the I stands for. Yeah, I'm not actually uh, Maybe indicator. Yeah. But so it goes into a lot of this stuff because it's been developed quite a bit. And one of my favorite places, if you want to get into the the typology, the MBTI, the functional stack, which is basically there are uh, four sets of functions with with opposites. So there's there's introverted, extroverted. There's uh, thinking, sensing, or thinking, feeling, thinking, feeling, sensing, intuiting. Sensing, intuiting, and, and the last judging. one is like judgment, judging or perceiving. Yes. So this can go very deep. And a great place if you want to get into that in a way that's accessible is personalityjunkie.com. And that site is run by AJ Drenth and his wife. And AJ's also written two great books on the, on the topic. Uh, one is... Um, My True Type, yeah. and the other one is the 16 Personality Types. Yeah. They are excellent books. And he has a free test on it where you can assess your own MBTI profile. We won't get into all of that today, but basically, if you know a little bit about it, I'm an INFP and Alistair is an INTJ. Yeah. Uh, that might mean nothing to you, and that's fine. It's not relevant. The yeah. fact is we're both introverts, and there's different functions throughout those personality tests. So you're going to have four major functions that make up your functional stack. And if you're an introvert, your dominant one, the way you prefer to interact with the world, the one that is the most important, relevant to you, is going to be introverted, as well as your tertiary or third one. And then your extroverted functions will be secondary, and um, and then your, your final, your fourth function, which often is unconscious. Mm -hmm. This is going beyond the scope of this conversation, but um, this is why I like to podcast, because it allows me to exercise my secondary extroverted function of thinking, extroverted thinking. I like to play with ideas and I like to talk about my ideas to other people. I like to think about them out loud and share them and explore them outside of myself. Mm -hmm. That's an extroverted function of mine. Now this gets to the some, some of the confusion I had in my life. So 
I was operating from that function for a lot of my life. What Susan Cain's book did for me was, first off, it helped me understand really the consequences of being an introvert and realizing that this was a pretty big deal and that it meant interacting with the world in a very different way than most of us are taught. Because, mm. you know, I think it's much more likely that we're introverts are in the West, probably more near the one-third mm-hmm. than the 50%, or at least... The ideas, the thinking, the structures of our society are extremely extroverted. For sure. And this means that we're growing up in a world that, at a fundamental level, uh, structures their values differently than us. Yeah. And this means that often introverts, especially uh, uh, intuitive introverts, which is a one quadrant of the four quadrants of of types, um, intuitive introverts which means uh, that you you have an intuition function. Uh, it's an introverted intuition function. Tend to feel like outsiders. And this explained a lot of my life. I operated basically as a second-rate extrovert for a lot of my life, as a confused introvert. Mm. What this means is that like, for a lot of my life, I was trying to be the best extrovert. And I was failing and struggling at it and not really understanding why I didn't feel right in that role or why it always felt a little awkward, like I was wearing someone else's clothes. Mm. I I used to go to a lot of like parties and raves and festivals and stuff like this, which are very extroverted. And I, I enjoyed them. And a lot of my friends were extroverted and stuff. And I didn't understand why I wanted more time to myself. Mm. I worked in a in a way that was in a kind of extroverted organization as well. And I didn't understand why my working habits were so different than than other people's as well. Mm. And and I didn't understand why people seemed to be so much better than me when I was competing on an extrovert plane. Yeah. And I didn't understand why I was so tired. I I mean, it ends up making me feel like there's something wrong with me. You know, I want to stay at home while everyone else wants to go hang out at the park. And am I a shitty friend? Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, people don't understand. It's like why you want to stay in your room. And, and it can be very confusing. I don't know. I, I didn't understand it either. And I felt bad for it. And I felt like it was something to fight Yeah. Uh, until I read Susan Cain's book. And besides understanding what introvert meant, the most important thing I got out of that book was understanding that I lived in an extroverted society and that this was going against the grain. I was going against the grain of my society and that this had a lot to do with why I was confused, why things felt uncomfortable. And it allowed me to realize where my strengths were. And that gave me the opportunity to start doubling down on them. It made me realize that my introverted preferences actually were my greatest superpowers. Mm. That actually, because there's less of us or because it's less emphasized, that there's a lot of value here, that there, there's there's a ne- necessary functions that organizations need, but uh, often are, are, don't have or are, are not and, pronounced. And often don't have, the organization have probably introverts in their teams, but because they don't know how to foster that and, and nurture it, they lack the richness that can come from having a team that is both introverted, extrovert, and, and just play on those differences. And so I think it's like, I feel like there's awareness that's coming to it slowly in different organization. It seems like it's coming to the forefront that like there's different styles. The other day we met a, a wonderful extrovert woman at a party we had in Portland and she 
instantly real she instantly mentioned like oh you guys like i'm an extrovert and you guys are introvert or something like that and i thought like whoa i didn't know extroverts cared about you know <laughs> learning about these things it feels like only the introverts talk about the extrovert and introvert differences and that know? gets to what we're going to talk about in a little bit which is the introverts dilemma because i do think there there's a set of challenges that introverts face especially intuitive introverts that extroverts are kind of oblivious to because they're not challenges for them. You know, I, I, before we go any further, I do want to say, like, introverted or extroverted is not better. Like, neither one's better. They're just different preferences, and they're both really useful, and a good team is going to have both. For example, um, in our business, the R Ripple Out Retreats, which is a retreat company, our business partner, Kelly, is a flaming extrovert. And thank God, because we need that role. Yeah. She's an amazing marketer. And she she's great at the marketing and the sales side. And that has been one of the only reasons that company can float. And that's the reason we have a full roster going to Yosemite in, in a few weeks is because, you're, because Kelly is an extrovert and that works very well for that side of the business. Now, see, you can almost start seeing where the problems become is like our, our society tends to overvalue sales and like bringing in new customers and these kind of extroverted activities and undervalue the other. And that's okay because, I mean, it's understandable in an extroverted society. I, I, one other thing I'll say here is that a good example of introverted roles in older societies, and this is part of the problem for introverts today, is that some of these roles are not really... Um, they don't exist. They anymore. don't exist they, anymore. They're not. They're not valued, and we have to recreate them. But or they they've don't. been disrupted by the mm. way the internet works. Where where uh, usually an introvert might play, especially an introvert intuitive, would play the role of a shaman or of an elder, or or usually someone that might be a little bit outside the society or someone that, you know counseling someone, a, a counsel yeah a counsel role these kind of things because because they're sources usually of. Uh, They, they can be sources of wisdom and intuition and things like this. But now that our societies have kind of, the internet has made it so you don't need one of those in every small community yeah. a lot of times. Uh, so, Plus that role in, in ancient societies, you the, that introverted shaman person would live like slightly outside the society, but because it would be valued by the people of the community, they would take care of his uh, daily needs of like his food needs and stuff like that. So there was no question of the, the sole focus of those people back in those days was to dive deep, go with the inner self, connect with the spirit realm and all those things. Where and, and that cannot be interfered Uh, by having to go and, and get fruits or hunt or cultivate land or something like that. So there was an exchange that was beyond money and, and where that shaman was being taken care of by the community because in turn, he also took care of the community. And I think this gets to one of the core drives of an introvert, which is, well, there, there's two, but there's one that's normally the priority. And that is, and, and AJ uh, Drenth talks about this in an article that we're, we're kind of using as an outline for this conversation, which is called The Introvert's Dilemma. And you all can find the, that. All of the, the resources will be in the show yeah. notes. Just everything we mentioned on this episode yeah. will be in the show notes as always. And 
That is for introverts, uh, their number one, one, one of their biggest priorities, values is self-knowledge because uh, authenticity is another high one. But authenticity doesn't really mean a lot if you don't know what you're being authentic to. <laughs> you, have to know, you have to know yourself to be authentic to yourself. So this is why self-knowledge tends to be at a higher level. It's, it's the first. It's kind of like the, if I can understand myself, then I'll know what to do. Then things will be easier. Even if things are hard, if I know myself, it'll be better. This is kind of the inner monologue of, of an introvert, and it certainly has been for me. And so authenticity is a, is a second is very important, but secondary to uh, self knowledge because self knowledge has to come first. Yeah, I really like that in in this in this article he shares he says that basically because of that basic drive to know yourself and know uh, explore yourself as an introvert, the introverts are confronted to the question of who they are much earlier in life, and this explains so much of my life like so much i never understood why when i was in 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 middle school and high school i seemed to be the only one with all those like super deep questions about who i was and what i was doing here and stuff i was like 13 and it's been a question of mine for as long as i can remember it took a very serious turn when i hit like puberty and stuff but even when i was like 7 i can remember always being looking deeper than everyone else and feeling like, am I just an alien? I, I had to, I always felt like, and this is not in any way like a condescending thing, but I always felt like I had to like stoop down to the level of my classmates just so that I could have friends because I didn't want to be alone in the playground at, at recess or anything. But my my true thing was like, my true like inter inside monologue was, what are they, like, what are, I didn't understand their preoccupation i didn't understand like what their lives were revolving around like petty uh, competitions between girls trying to understand like who was friends with who and i felt like i was always like just i don't understand this this does not make any sense but i played the part because that's the only because i wanted to be accepted in the group and so i played the part and i think i wasn't the only one probably but i was the only one that i was aware of and I think this is how introverts end up becoming second-rate extroverts and can be for a lot of their lives and not ever realize their true powers. Yeah. Because an extrovert just does not value self-knowledge and and this version of authenticity, which is being authentic to our inner selves. Is, this isn't so high on the totem pole of values for an extrovert. The yeah. extrovert is looking outward. Yeah. The extrovert is more interested outside of themselves, not within themselves. You can think about it as an inner-outer kind of uh, uh, difference. Yeah. And I think it was a really good second-rate extrovert. Like, really, really good. Actually, when I met you, you were the one that introduced me to, MBT to the MBTI because I never took it. And so I did not know anything about introvert-extrovert. I had no idea about it. And that was, like, two years ago. And you told me to take the test. And the first test I took, I came out extroverts. Like, the, I answered the question as, like, as best as I could. And, and yet I came out extrovert and something was off. It, it seemed to represent who I was in high school. And I was, I'm not really that person anymore. I'm like, that's weird. And I took the test three more times on three different websites. And then I came out INFP on all three because I was way more truthful to how it felt, how I felt right now. 
but when I was in high school, I just, I was the clown. I was the super loud mouth, the person that everyone would turn to for a laugh. And, and I was always ready to hang out. I was always ready to be with people. On the other side, whenever I was at home by myself, I was the most like energetically depleted, depressed person you could have ever seen. I was like, oh, I, I spent a lot of my teenage years like eating disorders, suicidal, all of it, you know, and I was that was such a weird contrast for me to hold. And yet no one knew. So when I was outside, it was just like, oh, it's the clown. It's the extrovert Julie Roxanne that's super loud and that speaks very loud and that like to has it have attention on her. And I think it does fit into some of my uh, extroverted needs, some of my own uh, function and stuff. But it was only after I took the MBTI that second time around where I found out I was an introvert that's like my word got turned upside down. It it felt for the first time I was actually seeing that I had needs that I didn't know about, such as time for myself. And I actually think I have a big need for that and I'm still not very good at giving that time to myself. It's hard. One of the things, if you go deeper into the MBTI typology and if you go back to some of... Um, Young's thoughts on why this all matters is that you have this functional stack and you have four different functions, each with an introverted or extroverted uh, preference, and each has like a tier. So you have your primary all the way down to your fourth. And the fourth one is primarily unconscious. And a lot of confusion comes out of if you're introverted or extroverted, and your story is a good one. And I have a similar story because uh, if we're undeveloped or unhealthy, we will act out of our inferior functions, mm-hmm. which is going to be, as an introvert, an extroverted function. Yeah. So we will act in unhealthy ways out of our inferior function, basically in an unconscious way. And that's why it can be very – people look at me like, well, no, in high school I was very much this way or maybe later in life. Well – yeah, you could be acting extroverted, but it might not be your strength. You yeah. might be acting it in unhealthy ways. And so there is actually a developmental theory, too, over time, where you will start, uh, it, it, when you go through an unhealthy or an unconscious period, you might revert to a extroverted but immature way of relating with the world. And when I started, and, and that goes beyond this, too, but that really can explain some of these confusions as well. The, the, type, the functional stack theory can explain a lot of what can look like waffling between introverted and extroverted. Mm-hmm. And in a, in, for me, in a way that was deadly convincing, that was almost prophetic yeah. for my life. And uh, hence why I've dived so deep into it. I think there's a lot to be gained from it. It's a very powerful um, framework for thinking about our personalities and stuff. We just wanted to take a minute here to tell you about something that's happening really soon and we thought you might be interested. Yeah, it's a travel retreat designed by introverts and extroverts for introverts and extroverts. A lot of times travel retreats are only for extroverts and this one is going to have a lot of introverted spins to it too. So we think you might be interested. It's going to be from September 6th to the 15th And we're going to be walking on the Camino for four days across France and Spain. It's a 10-day trip. We're going to visit some ancient historic caves, and we're going to explore all the ways story shows up in our lives. If you want to get more information, go to rippleoutretreats.com 
and click on the France-Spain retreat. We'll see you there. Alrighty. So the things we've been discussing is why, for a lot of introverts, there is an existential pain that they experience, uh, especially. And AJ Drenth talks about this in the in his article, especially in this transition from early adulthood to mid adulthood, because it's a time where where you're coming out of childhood, where like uh, decisions are made for you, where you're starting to make decisions for yourself. And all of a sudden, there's all these possibilities, which can be very overwhelming. And it's a time where it can be very confusing. Yeah. And the introverted values are just not really cultivated or encouraged for a lot of us in Western society. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of one of one of my pet peeves, or, or it's one of the areas I feel very passionate about, is that our society values are extroverted yeah Uh, the definition of success differs if you're an introvert or an extrovert for an introvert it's going to be subjective it's going to be based on your personal experience Mm -hmm. it's going to be determined from within that's not the case with an extrovert an extrovert is it's going to be objective it's going to be more extrinsic uh, it's going to be more outside. Mm-hmm. This is going to be things that are, are are measured more, that are easier to measure, for one. And it's going to be more outside. I mean, whereas an introvert, they're not easy to measure. And it's not clear. You, not everyone can, can kind of agree on what they are. Mm. We live in a society that mainly has extroverted measures of success, or at least celebrates those. Yeah, and doesn't celebrate the, the success that an introvert might deem like something that an introvert might deem successful based on their own and needs. more than doesn't celebrate often like completely doesn't understand mm-hmm. this is why uh the so if you go back to an episode we did about self-indulgence we get this comment lobbed at, or at least i do i get this comment lobbed at me all the time in fact i got it lobbed at uh, we got it lobbed at us just the other week yeah it's like isn't that isn't that Pretty self-absorbed, the self-involved, self self-absorbed, self-indulgent. That's and those here, are all. And here's the thing: is like that's not the problem. Is in our culture, those are bad words. Those are not good words. Mm. It comes and and I heard it when it was said this time again. It comes with a judgment, and it's a negative judgment. That word on its own is yes, yes. We are self-absorbed. We are self-indulgent. We are, but. That, that is our, our main focus. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not a bad thing. And so often you hear it in the way it's said. It is said as, as that's like inferior or that's to be avoided. No, that, to be avoided. I think it's, it's a good way. It's not, I don't, especially in this case, I didn't feel like it was too harsh. It just definitely feels like, oh, do you really want to do that? You know, like, do you really want to be self-involved? Is that, is that really what you want to do? Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah, it's like it's you're not. Icky. What are you doing for society? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and the introverts don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what's society no. doing for us? That's that's a lot of times. Uh, yeah, and I think I will make the I will I actually make the argument that for me, a lot of what we're doing and the, a lot of what is deemed or what is self-involved is what I'm doing for society. Like for me, th- like that is the core of what I can do. It's say know myself better. 
create less pain in me and around me and help other people understand themselves better. That's the only thing I can do. This is why a lot of the time I actually don't get that comment a lot because first of all, it doesn't really exist in French. We've made that point in the episode. So I don't know if it's more uh, like an Anglo-Saxon English realm. American. Thing. Let's, let's just go and say it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's most predominant. In America, probably. Yeah, yeah, we 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 got it from an English p- part too, so I'm not a British part. But so here's the here's the thing: it was the it was the Europeans that decided to go across an ocean they didn't know to find something they hoped was out there yeah. that colonized this continent. Yes, those are very extroverted people. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> they risked their life to to find what's out there. Mm. Introverts aren't going to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, introverts will risk the, going on the brink of insanity, like discover inner realms. Well, if we go out there, it's to find something within us. So yeah. I, I think there is a version, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, of an introvert. I'm kind of one of them sometimes that, that does these external things, but it is to create an internal experience. Yes, yes. It is not to find what's actually out there. Yeah. So let's bring this back. There's another tension with all this which is that we're not completely introverts. Exactly. We have extroverted desires. Yeah. So we do need to find a way to have those met. But it gets confusing because, again, like we said before, our chief concerns are self-knowledge and authenticity. But we do have external desires or extroverted desires Mm -hmm. or extroverted interests, but our chief ones are introverted. And the question that comes up so much with that is how do I stay true to myself while pursuing some of those extroverted things? Yeah, I think it's hard because, and he says that really well in the article, he says like once you get a taste of the extroverted needs being met and so being like met with extra, like with outside approval or, or you, it's like sweet nectar for the ego. And so then it's like, but that gets rewarded so much that so much more than when I decide to go hang out in my room for an hour in the dark and think about my feelings. When ultimately we just we're just placing value. Those are two things that could be valued equally because there's a lot of value in being in the dark and thinking about your feelings and reflecting. There's a lot of social value for that too. I mean, it can't you can equate it for extroverts in a way that will make sense. Yes. It it can be valuable to the society. It can, definitely. But because it's not really, or it's still in the process of being accepted in certain circle as like something valuable, I find that I tend to to spend too much energy on my extroverted needs because those are the ones that are, that I'm seeing are reflected positively positively for me it's like when i do those things i get more social rewards and i get more approval from my peers rather when i say oh i really need to take some time to myself i don't i don't get like cheering and clapping it's it's usually like oh okay if you have to or you know it's there's acceptance and sometimes some celebration around it but it's not as much as when i hang out with people for a whole day and then everyone talks about it for you know oh we had such a great day the other day was amazing and you know so and i i've seen it for myself too i've gotten lost in chasing the the extroverted values uh because they are important to me uh, in uh, in some ways and 
what I think ends up happening for introverts who do that is there is an emptiness to it. There, there is a meaninglessness that arrives sooner or later when you realize that like this is not really what gives me life. This is not the most important thing to me. And I've found at times in my life, I've gotten caught up in that. And and really at the end of the day, it's not what sustains me or nourishes me. Yeah. And, and I think this is something that a lot of times, and we're not bashing on extroverts, but it's one of those things where there's just not a lot of awareness around it. So it's, it's easy to get very like fierce and mm-hmm. passionate about it uh, because it, I think it, has been at a lot of pain in my life and a lot of misunderstanding for me personally is that extroverts often don't understand that alone time, that the things that introverts need, they need. Yes. That it is a necessity. It is not just like, it's not a self-indulgent kind of like, oh, like, let me have a piece of cake. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like that. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely necessary yeah. to be a healthy introvert, to function in this world and all the more so because they're living in an extroverted society. And this was a revolution for me yeah, when I yeah. realized this. And it's still it's still operating on me all the time. I, I have not unpacked all of the amazing presence that realizing I'm an introvert means. Mm. It's been one of the most powerful realizations of my 20s, no doubt. And I, I think uh, it's so valuable if you're an introvert it's critical to know because otherwise you're always going to be swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. But either way, if you're an extrovert too, or you're not very strong on, on either side, it's extremely valuable to know because so often arguments just come down to values. And these are things that are not really at some level are just preferences. They're just almost arbitrary preferences. They're just ways we're wired. And when you realize that, there's there's so many arguments. This is a good reason to go into typology, too, is because this is only one spectrum where where we get into these disagreements and can't, we just butt heads and cannot see a way to resolve it. But there's a lot of other ones, too. But I think this might be one of the biggest ones, which is the introvert-extrovert divide. And just realizing that so many arguments are about value judgments that come down to fundamental preferences that are just not debatable. Yeah. That they are just the way we are. And if you can realize that, you can have some perspective and you can see when a conflict has to do with different set of values. And when you realize that, you can you you can transcend that conflict. You can find ways to bridge it. But you, but it's not going to be by being right or to convincing the other person. That's never going to work. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the beauty of diving into typology uh, is that it gives you more. Not, it, I wouldn't say understanding because on some fundamental level you can't understand. It's like, for instance, you're you're a thinking type. I'm a feeling type, and just on that, I feel like. I can understand on a conceptual level, but I don't understand what this means in like an actual experiential level to be someone who uses thinking as a preferred function as opposed to feeling and vice versa. You can't understand either the, my, my side of it. And I think it's, this is so key in coming to relationships and to conversations without assumptions and trying to support what the other person says or hear without trying to judge like, no, well, I don't think they're doing it the right way. They should do it this other way around. And yeah. And I personally feel that a lot. 
feel that a lot because thinking is a way more a valued way of functioning in the world than feeling. Feeling is like, eh, you know, whatever, whatever. It's not really useful. And so that, that's something I notice, but it's a, it brings me a lot of compassion because then I can assume that I don't know what the other person's view of the world is, whether extrovert, introvert, or thinking, feeling, or all those things. And maybe the only thing I can do is listen and think that they're doing the best choice for them or that, you know, that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, in re you can recognize when when your path is not the path someone else should be taking. Yeah. And and when something that works for you is not going to work for someone else or, or vice versa, the thinking feeling, which is another one of these spectrums, bleeds uh, so much into the whole feminine, masculine, feminist, women, man situation because... Uh, the majority of women are probably feelers, whereas the majority of men are probably thinkers. And so this is another one of those kind of battlegrounds mm. a lot of times where because we don't have a lot of understanding about uh, the feeling operation and the thinking operation, uh, one tends to dominate and the other one tends to feel oppressed and misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So this is the introverted dilemma. And if you're an introvert, you might know it. And if you don't know if you're an introvert and you're, and you're hearing echoes here, go read Susan Cannon's book and then read A.J. Drunt's book. And then if you're still interested, go to Carl Jung. But the, the dilemma is that it centers around the degree to which introverts are willing to compromise their core values and interests, which are introverted, including their search for self in order to satisfy their extroverted concerns, which are real. Some of these extroverted concerns, and I'm quoting from A.J. Drunt's work here, how will I make money? Can I make enough money practicing my passion? If not, am I willing to perform menial or mindless work for the sake of a paycheck? Will I ever find a romantic partner or be capable of supporting a family if I don't make more money? How much of myself am I willing to give to others? What if they demand too much of my time and energy? How much am I willing to compromise? These are some, not all, of the core tensions that we as introverts face. I'm going to take a stab at the money one a little bit because money is a very extroverted thing in a way because you have to do extroverted activities yeah. to receive money. Yeah. Someone else pays you the money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that means it's, it's in the realm of extroversion. This is, I think, explains or it, it gets, it touches on one of my, I studied money growing up and I've always, uh, I mean, now I'm starting to coach people around money. I work with money a lot. I think about it a lot and I manage my own money very, very tightly and efficiently. And I think a lot of that has to do with, it's a way I can control how and when I interact with the world in an extroverted way. If I have money, I'm not forced to be extroverted when I don't want to. Mm. I think that's really at the core, one of the core reasons for me why I'm so particular about money. Because if you, I, I can imagine an extroverted's point of view, and I've seen this before, which is they don't care if they don't have money because they'll just go out and get some more because that fits yeah. for their personality. They don't mind being out in the world, doing these things. Like my my uh, Emily, my, my uh, brother's wife, so my sister-in-law, is... Hi, Emily. Hello, Emily. She <laughs> listens to this. She's one of our biggest fans. And I would venture, Emily, that you're an extrovert. 
Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. I think she is, yeah. So, I, or I'm, if she's not, she needs to. She, she, you you need to read <laughs> Susan Cain's book. But so we were just talking to Emily yesterday, and she's on summer break. She's a teacher, uh, and she she teaches science, like forensic science and stuff like this. Yeah. And um, she's on summer vacation. You know what she's doing for her summer vacation? She's working at a winery and she's subbing for other teachers. Emily can't not be around people if she tried for too long. You know, like she 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 enjoys that. It's great. It comes to her naturally. That is a bona fide extrovert right there. Yeah. And so extroverts are going to have an easier time making money. It's not going to go against their core values a lot of the time mm. because it's something they enjoy. That is not the case for me. A lot of times money will go very strongly against it will create a major problem with me being authentic. And as we said before, authenticity is probably only second to self-knowledge. And the only reason it's second is because you have to have self-knowledge first mm. to be authentic. So this is one of my core struggles as an introvert is the money question. How do I make money in a way that is where I can still stay true to my, where I'm not selling my soul? Yeah, that that's a big concern of mine as well. Uh, I, I noticed that, I have this tendency to just, I prefer to have a finite amount of money and just don't not spend almost any of it so that I can continue to be true to what I want to do and not have external obligations to meet so that I can make money. This is, this is something that is really, really hard for me. And I go through phases where it's like, there's times where I'm, my energy levels are okay. So it's fine. But these days, my energy level is really low. And it's like, I still have to get up and meet the deadline, the deadlines. And I'm fortunate to have created work that is still, like the closest at, at for now to what I want to do and, and where I can manage my own schedule in a lot of ways. So that still fits my introverted needs in a lot of ways, but it, it's, it's still very hard. And another of those dilemmas for me is how do I love being around people and I love, I love like, deep conversations one on one with a person like that, that brings me so much joy. And because it does, I tend to think that it brings me energy. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't, it doesn't really. And so I get lost in this. I, I can easily get lost in this hanging out with people way too much. And then, and then just never prioritizing self time because I just fall out of the, the habit of doing it. And then, and then I just crash and burn. It's like a, it's like a bird that all of a sudden has a stroke in the air and then crashes down and just like. Pfft. I've seen it, people. It's not pretty. It's not pretty and it hurts. And I just, it's, it's really, really hard. And yeah, the reading that's the, those questions on the article by AJ, I just reading those questions creates so much anxiety for me. It's, it's so hard because those are core problems that I see I have and that are not going to go away. Like it's not something I can fix by getting to know myself. It's just, I know that ideally I would live in a small community and I would be like a woman healer that lives in the tent and people come and feed me 
and I'm like hanging out with the spirits and, and giving people's advice and taking care of the babies and stuff. But no, I'm not, this is not the world we live in right now. At least I, I, this is not the world I live in right now. And maybe there's ways to create that world. And, and I'm not saying there isn't, but the reality every day is that I have to figure out ways to be present and extroverted because I need money. I need a place to live. I need food on my table and I need all those things. And those realizations, most of the time, what they make me want to do is just curl up in a ball, go on the ground, cry and wait for someone to come and pick me up. Cause I, 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 I really can't handle it a lot of the time. It's really, really hard for me. And there is like an existential pain because I know that that can never be fixed. You know, like there's nothing that can happen in my lifetime that will fix this. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, it is painful. There is another side of it, though, which is that because we live in an extroverted society, our introverted powers are needed more than ever. There is a balance. They, 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 they both serve a function. And I think one of maybe the <laughs> consolations of that tension and that problem that you're right doesn't go away and, and, I, and, and has gotten louder for me because... I went away and traveled for a while and I was true introvert fashion. I went by myself and it was great. But I also realized that there were extroverted needs I had that, that I was, I, I needed to meet some way. I, I wasn't, I, I, you know, I think introverts have this dream that, oh, I could be a monk. I'll just go live in a monastery. No one will bother me. I'll do this whole inner thing the whole time. There's probably a type of, there is a type of introvert that works for um, but I think we all have versions of that. Maybe it's going to a farm. You're going to live on a farm. But it's basically, I'm going to leave this fucking society and I'm going to live self-sustained on my own. That's a lot of times an introvert's dream. What I found out through some of my experiments trying some of those things is, oh man, I can't do that. You know, I do need, I have extroverted values and needs and they need to be met. The problem is that when I try to meet them, I so often get swallowed up. Mm. On the other side of it, I, I I get overwhelmed. I don't know how to meet them, but also honor the introverted side of me, which is which is very big mm. and very important. And without it, I shrivel up and die. I become kind of like a uh, a bit of a zombie. I, I, I lose my soul. And this has been hard lately because, in a lot of ways, we're coming back into the world. We're a bit more present. This podcast is one of the ways we're trying to do it, and I th- I'm very thankful for the podcast format. Because it is a great format for introverts. It's a great way for us to connect with people in a way that's comfortable for us. Mm. Writing has been like that for me too. Small group gatherings and stuff. Also, going back to one thing you said is about like uh, how much time do we give to others. Another one of the introverts' pains that I felt really hard around relationships is that I crave connection just as much as the next person. Deep connection. Mm. The problem is, as an for an introvert is you often have to go through a lot of bullshit or a lot of extroversion that we don't particularly enjoy (laughs) to get to those connections. So by the time you get there, you're drained. Those, those one-on-one connections can be very energizing for me, but it's very hard to find them without extroverting. And, and this can be a huge dilemma is how do you find the connection that you so deeply need, but, but how do you preserve your energy and your integrity to get there, like mm. there's like a barrier to it, and and so a lot of times I think an introvert can make the mistake of isolating himself 
um, and thinking he doesn't need that connection, which can end up being very lonely um, just because it's, it's hard to find it in a way that suits our values and doesn't leave us completely drained and spun by the time we get there. But I'll go back to what I said before, which is that, you know, it's a bit of a curse and, and, but it's also, it's also our, our source of power. I, I, I believe, and one of the reasons why I think it's so important to understand this difference, either if you're an extrovert or an introvert, is, but, but particularly if you're an introvert, is because you have a lot of powers and you might not be valuing them. You might not even realize you have them because you, you've always tried to be someone you're not. This has been my story for my 20s and my teens. And um, I think it's been your story too. And I think that's painful. That's hard. But there's another side of this, which is that if you, and, and it's hard because it takes a lot of development. It takes a lot of strength of character. It takes going against the grain. And that's, that's tough. But if you can find the strength to do that, I think I found personally that there's a whole new world that's opened up to me. There's a whole set of skills that come to me naturally, naturally, that I don't have to try very hard, that other people don't have. And if I value them, that's the first step to other people valuing them. And this is, for me, it's my bridge into the world, into relating with the world in an authentic way that, that satisfies my needs and is fulfilling for me, but is also beneficial for others. And, in, and I think that's how, I think that that's the way I'm trying to bridge the, the gap is, and, and to, to kind of transcend this dilemma is I think it is the way um, to actually not only benefiting myself, but benefiting others. And thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. It's been wonderful to have you here. It's been really nice. It's really nice to feel like there's people holding space for us to just like self-explore. It's hope. really it's really nice for me to satisfy my extroverted needs in an introverted way. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, I thank God for the internet in a lot of ways oh, for the introverts. Yeah, it, it's it's the introverts bane in a lot of ways, yeah. but it's also it's also, also a great way a to a land uh, of wonders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a mixed bag. <laughs> Well, you know what to do by now, beautiful listener. Subscribe to this podcast, please. And if you've enjoyed this episode in particular and you haven't already, why don't you leave us a review? We'd love to share what you have to say about this show on a future episode. Mm -hmm. And we'd love it if you'd share this with friends. Yeah, if you know any introverts or extroverts or people who don't know that might resonate so that's pretty this. much everybody yes everybody if you know everyone. anyone yeah you do you have a friend share it just that as will long be as you're not an introvert living in a cave <laughs> by his or herself you know somebody that might enjoy this all right or at least we hope so yeah we hope so please you can find the show notes for this episode, and there, there's there's a few we talked about here. We're going to uh, include a lot of resources if you want to dive deeper. Yeah. So anyone who found this interesting, go check out thefaroutpodcast.com. You will get some resources to get you started. You can also email us. This yes. is a topic I am very passionate about, and I am happy to talk to anyone who will talk to me about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alistair, Alistair is, is, a great, uh, is a great help for introvert people. He's been helping me a lot, so definitely reach out to him. So host at thefaroutpodcast.com is our email. It's host with no S, just host. Just one host. Just one host. Two. It's yes. crazy. <laughs> 
Sometimes the world doesn't make sense, Julia Roxanne. <laughs> Talk to me about it. All right, all right. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.